Hey, welcome to our podcast, Taco Tuesdays with Tim Goes Online. I'm Alana Becker, and I'm here with Tim Mangler. Hey, Tim. Hey, Alana. How's it going? Good. How's it going with you? I'm doing really well today. That's wonderful. Uh, so we've been talking a lot about our experience on going on missions, which has been really fun. But I was wondering if you could share more today on what it might look like for other people who are considering going on missions. Like, what should they expect? I know there's something really beautiful about counting the cost before you step into something and still choosing it, even knowing what that cost is. I mean, not that we know everything that's going to be asked of us or what everything that's going to happen when we go somewhere, but I do think there's a lot of things that we can be prepared for. So I was wondering if you could talk more, more on that today. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question because certainly Jesus tells us, right, count the cost. And as we think about going on mission, um, even if it's, you know, one of it's around the world or across the street, there's a cost to it. And we got to be prepared for that as, as best we can. Uh, I think there's probably three different areas that we could think about this in. Okay. Certainly the obvious is there's the financial cost, right? Then there's the physical or health cost, and then there's an emotional cost. Yeah. Um, financially, if you're going to go somewhere overseas, there's going to be a fair amount of cost. You know, you're going to have a plane ticket, uh, hotels, ground transportation, meals, uh, insurance. Uh, there's going to be quite a bit of cost, and so you've got to be prepared for that, whether you're going to raise the money somehow or take it out of your own savings. Uh, but here's the thing that I would really say about this. Yeah. And and this is where a real faith issue comes in. If you're feeling led to go on missions, remember, God pays for what he orders. Yeah. I've known some people that have gone into the mission field and tried to do it with debt. Oh, no. They, they put it on their credit card or they borrowed money. Don't do that. God pays for what he orders. If you're feeling called and the money isn't there just yet, wait. Mm. Wait on the Lord to provide because when he provides, now you know he's in it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't buy into the belief that you can put it on your credit card and, and God will maybe pay for it later. Let, let him work. Let him do his thing. Mm. But there is this, there's this financial cost and you're going to have to weigh that. And a question that I get asked all the time is, well, these mission trips are so expensive. Couldn't we use that money some other way? Couldn't you just give the money to the people and, yeah. and it, would, it would go further? That's a great question. But honestly, after having done this for a while now, the people that we go on mission to, the people that we're going to go, whatever country, whatever people group it might be, yeah. honestly, they need our friendship and our relationship more than us just sending them some dollars. Mm, yeah. It's really easy to send them some dollars. And the reality is most of the time, those dollars don't end up bringing back a real kingdom dividend. Maybe you'll feed some hungry people and that's great. Maybe you bring that's some sure. medicine to people. That's great. Yeah. Honestly, I think they need the relationship and the friendship mm -hmm. more. And so we're going to count the cost financially. Am I willing to shell out this kind of money to go there and then maybe shell out some more money if they're hungry or need medicine? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Those are important too, but yeah, the the value, I think even right now in this season, um, you know, being socially isolated, it has really shown us how people being present in our lives is what is so impactful and what really matters to us. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. And I'll talk about this more in a minute, but the relationships there are so key both to them and to us. You know, when I get a message from one of them now, I'm just so excited. You know, it just, it makes my day if I get a message from one of our partners in, oh, in Africa. Love that. Um, but it just takes a lot of money. I mean, we're working in Mozambique. Mozambique's not an easy place to get to. It's going to cost you a lot of money to get there. Yeah. Now, of course, you could do missions in Mexico or Puerto Rico or, or Cuba or somewhere that's a lot closer. And so the cost will be a little bit less, but you're still going to have to, to, to count the cost financially. Yeah. Then I think there's the cost physically and with our health. Um, again, as we think about going to a place like Mozambique, um, you're, you're in the air 22 hours to get there. It, it's, you can't get there on one flight, so it's three flights generally. Um, sometimes four, but generally we can get there in three flights. Yeah. You're in the air about 22 hours. You're passing through airports. It takes about 36 to 40 hours to get there. And so it's incredibly draining. It's incredibly draining physically. Uh, and then being there, you just run, you just run from, from sun up to midnight. And so it's, it's, there's so much joy and there's so much good and so much energy in it, but yet at the same time, it is physically draining. Uh, the jet lag both ways. I think the jet lag is worse coming home, but there's jet lag. That's hard on your body. And so there is just a real physical demand on your body and on your health, yeah. this kind of thing. And then when you're in country, if you're going to a third world, there are really serious health risks. Mm-hmm. And you've got to weigh through those carefully. Yeah. Um, like, for example, if you're going to go to most third world countries, there's some additional vaccines you're going to need to get. Yeah. Uh, a lot of countries will not let you in unless you have a yellow fever card. Mm. And then it's really practical to get a typhoid fever vaccine because it's so common. And so you're going to need to get some additional vaccines. And so there's something that you're going to have to count the cost of. How do you feel about that? Uh, so, you know, I carry a yellow fever card with me everywhere I go. Now, I always have that with me. Um, I've seen people be not be allowed off a plane because they didn't have their yellow fever card. Wow. And then when you're in country, there's the things that you can't get vaccinated for and you can't prepare for. Um, yeah. I would say about half of my trips, I have gotten quite sick mm-hmm. all there. Um, one time I got this, everybody we were visiting had this really brutal seasonal cold, like head cold. And boy, that it hit me hard. Mm. And, uh, and then that, that was only one time. Usually it's intestinal because our intestines aren't used to uh, the things that, that will be introduced to our body over there. Yeah. We don't drink the regular public water. We always get bottled water. Yeah. You're eating their food and you're, you're, being, you're taking every uh, precaution you can. We've had all kinds of training, what to eat and what not to eat. Uh, how to make sure that your bottled water is even safe because there's little tricks there that could can mm. slip by you. Yeah. But I still have gotten sick several times with intestinal issues. Uh, my wife got sick there once with an intestinal issue that lasted for about a month after we returned. Yeah, wow. Um, and I got sh- stories that I just won't share. <laughs> in this uh, context. Sure we, I'm sure we all appreciate that. So. Um, 
I've got some intestinal stories for you. Um, so again, there's that, there's that health factor. And if somebody is already, you know, in any way health compromised or predisposed, um, immune compromised, whatever, then, you know, you really have to evaluate the risk and, and how you can minimize that risk, maybe by going to countries that are much safer or places that are much safer. Uh, Mozambique is pretty, uh, a pretty challenging place for that. So Senegal for that matter, Senegal is too. So again, you gotta, you gotta weigh the, the cost there physically, health-wise. Can your body endure, you know, 40 hours in the air, back and forth? And then there's the emotional cost. <clears throat> um, I remember my, my first trip, my first time into Senegal, I was unprepared for what I would see. And I don't want to call it poverty because it's not necessarily poverty. Some of how we, from the Western world, some of what we might describe as poverty could simply be described as culture there. Okay. They, they would actually have the means of doing it differently, but they choose to still do it that way because it's part of their culture. Huh. But we would perceive it to be poverty. But when you get there and you experience that, it has an emotional toll on you. Mm -hmm. When you see people living, um, the, you know, in, an, in what we would call an extreme condition, something that's so unlike what we live in, uh, that's going to have an emotional toll on you. And then, you know, in, in Mozambique, there's this thing where, and it's not, it's not everywhere, but fairly widely in, in the rural areas of Mozambique, when they have a baby, they don't name the baby right away. Sometimes they'll wait as much as a year before they name the baby because the infant mortality rate is so high, their thought is, well, why name the baby if it's just going to die? Wow. And so you're stepping into that kind of a context mm. where infant mortality is that high and death from malaria is that high and access to clean water and food and medicine are just not there. There's an emotional toll that it can take on you. But then on a, on a slightly more positive note, you're going to fall in love with these people. If God has called you, if this is something he is in and he's called you there, you're going to fall in love with these people. And you and I both know that when you're in love with someone, there comes an emotional price with that yeah. because whatever they feel, you feel. Whatever burdens them, burdens you. But whatever joys they have, you get to share in as well. And so there's going to be the emotional price, not only of when you're in the country with them, but then when you're at home, um, you're going to be homesick. You're going to miss them. Yeah. You know, a couple of weeks ago, one of our partners in country sent us a little video clip of some worship where my wife was dancing. And I showed it to my wife. I played this video for her. And she just kind of got a little teary-eyed. Uh, and, and we do that all the time. She and I will watch a video together or see a picture from Africa or that reminds us of Africa. And we'll both just look at each other and get that kind of teary eyed look like we're homesick. Like we miss that place. We miss them. Yeah. And so there's this constant emotional and it's, it's not a bad thing necessarily, but there's just a constant mm -hmm. emotional price that you're paying as well. For sure. I know I definitely experienced that as well with my my travels and my missions as well there's there's this aspect like you have two homes and you're never you are no longer just you don't have one home anymore that's a good way of putting it i feel like we've got two homes um 
and and we can be perfectly at home in either one but no matter where you are you kind of miss the other one yeah yeah for sure and i think that i think that's really good too because um like just as you're talking about like there's the hard but there's the joy too because i know when we've talked about as we've been talking about missions at you know on these these podcasts that you've been talking about how missions, you know, stems from obedience. Like there's an obedience piece to that. Um, and I'd love you to talk about more, but like when, when we're talking about obedience, it's not just all this bad cost, you know, that there's more to it, you know, like, could you, could you speak more into that, that it's not like all that cost isn't bad? Yeah, for sure. There's obedience and there's cost, but really um, there's great joy in that. Um, I want to try to find something here real quick if I can. Um, and of course I can't, but uh, um, Jesus, uh, in the book of John, uh, Jesus says, he, he gives us this passage where he talks about his joy being complete yeah my joy will be in you and it will be complete if you obey my commands and then in that context of that passage where he says that we can have complete joy he he only gives us one command and that's to love others mm. and to love yourself and so there's this idea that we can have completeness of joy if we simply obey jesus command to love others and so as we're obedient to go into the mission field, we're going not because we think we're going to save the world and solve all the problems, but we're going because we're going to love others. Yeah. And then as we do that, as we actively love on people, then Jesus imparts that joy to us. Mm. And it becomes a supernatural joy and it becomes something that we can't confuse with happiness. Yeah. I always say that, uh, happiness is fleeting and joy is eternal the the joy that jesus gives us is a supernatural joy because you can be on the mission field and maybe you're having one of those intestinal issues i just mentioned but you're still finding joy in it mm. you're still delighting that you're there and that you're with these people and that you're getting to love on them and minister with them uh, it can just be a sweet time, even though maybe circumstantially it's pretty rough. Yeah. But it's because it's that supernatural joy that Jesus is imparting to us out of our obedience to just go love other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, and then too, if we're uh, thinking about, there's there's a transition in, and I, I feel like before I went on missions, I heard a lot more about the transition in, the, the want to tell you about the culture and things to, to learn and to be prepared for, but sometimes I, I think what I wasn't ready for, what I think I can even be harder to talk about is the transition and returning home. Because you already know when you're walking into something new, it's going to be a new experience. But you think when you come home, you're coming back to something that is familiar. Can you, can you talk about that some more for us? Yeah, that's a really great uh, observation there, Alana. 
yeah, when you go there, you know you're going something different. And I've already shared my first time in the Senegal, I was shocked. I was shocked at the culture. I was shocked at what we might perceive as poverty. I was shocked at the, the, the uh, spiritual atmosphere. Um, there was a lot there that shocked me the first trip. Yeah. But on subsequent trips, it's been the reverse culture shock that's been more challenging. Mm. And you're right. It is kind of hard to talk about uh, because it, it's kind of personal and it kind of might rub some people the wrong way. But I do think it's something that we do need to talk about and share. Now, th th there's, the, there's two sides that we can, we can think about reverse culture shock. There's the personal, and then there's more the effective ministry. So when we return from a trip, uh, I know in the vineyard they've written some really good material, some debriefing material, so that when you come home from a trip, you sit with your team a day or two later and you debrief and you kind of process through some of this stuff because it becomes effective ministry. Mm -hmm. Ministry to yourselves, ministry to the team, ministry to the people back wherever you've just come from. And so there is this important part of debriefing, uh, looking what was God doing, what, was, what were the things that we saw happening on the ground, what was the good? What was the bad? What could be preventable next time? Like, was there some stuff that we just, boy, that was rough, but we can prevent that. That doesn't have yeah. to happen again. Or, you know, the, the more tangible items, the things that I call effective ministry. But then there's the personal part of it that is much harder to talk about, much harder for someone else to even relate to because it is going to be very personal for each person. But some, some examples for me, um, like when I come home, I just appreciate water. Mm. Like I can turn on a faucet and I can drink a glass of water that I know won't make me sick. And I can go in and I can take a shower with hot water. Like I just appreciate water so much. I mean, I've been in places where the water would kill you if you drank it. And you, when you ask for a shower, they give you a small bucket of room temperature water. That's it. That's all you, that's all you get. Um, so I'll appreciate things here, but then I also come back and, and I don't, I don't mean this to be an offensive statement. This is, this is me. This was my personal experience. Yeah. I came home from a trip a couple years ago and we had just had such deep, deep, rich, rich times with the believers there in some of the churches that we visited. And I saw the sacrifice and I saw the cost that they were putting into their Christian faith, their Christian life. I saw what they went through to be at those evening meetings. We held these long evening meetings. Yeah. And some of these people had walked for hours to be there and they would have to walk hours to get home. And they had worked that day and they were going to work the next day. And just a tremendous cost. And that they brought food to share with us. They had, they had given so much, so much to be there, to be at these meetings. And then we had such a, an incredible time with God, but then we come home and I look at how we tend to function here in the church. And again, this was my personal experience, but the thought that ran through my head that year is, are we even Christians? Mm. And I was just feeling, again, I'm not condemning anybody else. I'm just saying, I felt like my faith at home isn't the same as, as it is when I'm on the mission field. Mm. And so it was a real reverse uh, culture shock for me because 
of how we do church differently. Yeah. And, and I'm not even going to say the one's right and one's wrong. It just really hit me that year about how much I valued the really deep expressions of worship and the commitment and the cost that I saw over there. And I, and I don't tend to see that here in myself or in, in others around me necessarily, but so it was a real culture shock coming back to the way that we do church here. Yeah. And then relationally, uh, the relationships there are just different. And again, I won't say that one's right or what's one's wrong, but when you come out of that relational context and you come back into our relational context, there's a bit of a culture shock. You know, here we have, when you, when you see somebody like, Hey, how's it going? Right. We always say that, Hey, what's up? How's it going? And you're always, what's up? I'm fine. You know, it's good. Over there, they'll say, Hey, how are you? How's your wife? How are your kids? How's your mom? How's your dog? How's your goat? How's your chickens? How are your crops? And they genuinely care. Yeah. And it's not just that off the cuff. Hey, how you doing? And so again, when you come home and you're going back into the different way that we express that relational value, it can just be kind of a, kind of a shock. For sure. Uh, and so, yeah, after that first shift, the reverse culture shock has always been more challenging because now I know what to expect when I go there. Yeah. Certainly you'll have new experiences each time, but you generally know what you're going to expect. It's coming home that is now more challenging for me, at least. Yeah. Do you like, I've heard other people too talk about even just the wealth of the country that they're coming back to and how that that even just feels so strange. I don't even know if you mentioned this before, but I feel like you might have even mentioned how like watching, like how much you throw away. It's so weird. How much, you know, we just put in like the garbage or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, we have so much wealth here, and we have so, even the poorest of people here in the U.S. are wealthy compared to much of the third world. And you know, just a small amount of money can sometimes go a really long way over there, and we don't even think twice about those those small amounts of money here. Um, yeah, and I, I years ago I had read in a book that here in the United States we throw away enough food, just restaurants and grocery stores, like restaurants, hotels, and grocery stores. I think it was. They throw away enough food to, to feed every man, woman, and child in every third world country. And so if we talk about, quote unquote, starvation in other places and then them not having adequate food supply, here, that's so not on our radar that we throw away that much food uh, mm -hmm. every year. Um, I remember 2015, we had our key leader from Mozambique uh, here in the United States. And while he was here, it was the week for our church to serve at the local, local food pantry. And so I took him with me to the food pantry. And when we got there, uh, the lady who runs the front desk at the food pantry told me, says, Tim, the dumpsters are full. We can't throw away anything today. And so I took Zavimbi out back to the dumpster and I opened it up and I showed him this dumpster full to the brim with food. And he just stood there with this real stern look on his face and shook his head and said, that would never happen in Africa. Mm. um so yeah just you know the way we the way we treat things the way we think about things uh is definitely shaped differently once we've had an, an experience where the that abundance doesn't exist yeah for sure you 
as a total random question, when I came back, I, I didn't have a car when I was on a mission trip. And so we either had to ask someone to drive us or we would walk places. And so I found I walked a lot. Do you, do you miss walking? Like, do you walk a lot in when you're on your mission trips? And is that something you experience? Like, it's strange to get back into cars. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, we do walk a lot. We've walked through like villages and stuff. And that's an experience you can't have you like you can go walk in your neighborhood. And it's not the same as walking through a village in Africa. Um, but when you do travel, um, transportation over there is very different. Whatever vehicle you might be in is usually significantly overloaded. Um, <laughs> You know, so literally I, I had to take a trip with our team, with the vehicle that, that, that we own over there. And the vehicle is designed to seat five people. Okay. And we traveled for six hours with 12 people. Oh my gosh. And luggage in that vehicle. Wow. I've been on buses over there that there was way more people. I had to travel through Malawi for several hours with no seat, just sitting on the floor of the bus because there weren't enough seats. So for me to come back and to be the only one in the vehicle, like most of the time, I'm the only one in the vehicle. I'm by myself. Yeah. That's what's shocking to me because you get used to being in a vehicle that is severely overloaded. That's so, yeah, it's so interesting. I think there's just a lot of, I think there's big things like you were talking about with, with church and with sacrifice and, and things. But then I think that there's this other side of little things too. And, and like you say, it's so personal because you don't, you don't know what's going to hit you when you come home. What strange thing is just going to be, you know, what used to feel normal and isn't anymore, you know? Um, and in like too, I think just kind of, uh, like COVID, when as we're transitioning out of it, there's there seems to be like this new normal that we'll be walking into, you know, and it's almost I think it's similar. I don't think you ever come home the same. Yeah, for sure. You never come home from a missions trip. You will live in a permanent state of new normal uh, because so much has changed. And so yeah, we're kind of coming into a season where there's going to be a long term, if not permanent, new normal for us here. Yeah. What would you say? Because I think there's there's a lot of hard things with the new normal. But what would you say has changed in your life in a positive way from going on missions? Like what's a new normal for you that you find is it's like really beautiful and you really appreciate? Yeah, I would say I think there's two for me. Uh, first is uh, relationships. Yeah. Um, I just have so many wonderful, great relationships now that I didn't have before. We've adopted a daughter in Mozambique, uh, mm -hmm. and she's now had a daughter. So we have a, a Mozambican mm -hmm. granddaughter. I love that. And, uh, and so, but there's so many others, the pastors and the leaders that we work with, the friends that we've made. Um, you know, I have got a couple hundred uh, Facebook friends that are just in Mozambique, you know. And so having all of these wonderful, deep relationships yeah. As I mentioned, you, when you get to hear from some of them, it just kind of makes your day. Earlier today, I got a voice message from one of our leaders there in the city of Tet, and it was just so great to hear his voice and uh, to hear from him. Um, so it, just the relationships, just these ongoing, really great relationships that even though we're so many miles apart with the technology that we have today, we're still able to keep in touch through mm -hmm you know, an email or a WhatsApp or, you know, a messenger or something like that. And 
honestly, sometimes it's those relationships that sustain me when things get really hard and challenging here. And then you hear from somebody over there, you know, it just brightens your day and it, it helps keep you going. And you absolutely can't wait to get back there again to see those people. So I think relationships is one. And two, it's kind of a summary of everything we've been talking about, and that's perspective. Once you go there and you spend some time there, you just get a different perspective about life, about faith, about government, about money. I don't think there's an area that hasn't been affected, an area of my life that hasn't been affected by a change in perspective. Mm. I, I get a more holistic view of who God is because I've seen, you know, we're all created in his image. Yeah. So when we go into a place that's very different racially and ethnically and culturally, we're getting to see a different side of who God is because these people are representing God. And so that gives me a different perspective on, on faith and theology. I can frame my theology differently now, better. Yeah. And then my perspective on, on government, you know, whether you love or hate the U.S. government, you go and you live somewhere briefly under a different governing system. It just gives you perspective. You see things differently. You, you understand money differently. Um, most of these cultures are, are, uh, would be highly devalued in, in comparison to the U.S. dollar. Mm -hmm. I've been in countries that was, uh, it was as high as, I believe, 720 to 1. So I give them, I give them one U.S. dollar, and I got 720 kawecha in return. And so now imagine if you, you change a couple hundred dollars, you now need a wheelbarrow to carry all this kawecha. And, uh, and so you just learn to think about money differently and how you're going to handle money differently. Um, it just gives you a different perspective, and I feel like you end up being a better, more, more complete, well-rounded Christian and human being for mm -hmm. Yeah, I found coming back, my mind had expanded like so much. Um, I was younger when I went on my first mission ship or whatever, but I think I, my world still consisted of North America, kind of. Like, I think that's really where just my my thought of the world really sat. And going opens and you, you understand experientially that there's a whole world of people and there's a whole world of things going on. And it's really not just your, you know, life isn't just in your backyard. And, you know, it, it's definitely a really, really beautiful thing. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think so much of so many Americans right now would benefit from that broader perspective on culture and race right now as we're as we're dealing with racial tensions in our country um spending time deep within another context really helps give you a better perspective for sure well thanks so much tim this has been really great i appreciate you being open um and in sharing those things that you kept saying you said were personal to you about transitioning back and i'm sure other people who have had transitions or who are going on missions and will have their own will have their own experiences but i want to thank for just being vulnerable with us and sharing some of the personal things that you've experienced coming back yeah you're welcome i enjoy doing it wonderful all right well thanks everyone for joining us for taco tuesday with tim goes online and we'd love to have you join us next week Goodbye.